Any successful plan requires wisdom and preparation, and retirement is no different. It's time for the Plan Wise Retire Free Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It's Plan Wise Retire Free with Jude Wilson and myself. We're going to talk about some important financial debates. Uh, we've got the top nine. I don't know why we didn't come up with ten, but but we didn't. So we got <laughs> the top nine. Number. That's right. We didn't want to rip off David Letterman too much. So instead of the top ten <laughs> countdown, we're going to do the top nine uh, financial important financial debates. And where do you fall? What side of the uh, conversation do you fall on? And we're going to break this into the next two podcasts, actually. So that way we don't get too much information. We'll do the first couple, and then we'll do a few more. On the next go around, you heard Jude there in the background. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? Hey, I am doing amazing. It is a beautiful day here in Orlando, Florida. Fantastic. Well, you know what? It's a beautiful day, but it's been a rough week. At the time we're taping Ooh. this, just about a week ago tomorrow was when we got the new uh, numbers that came out, inflation numbers and so on and so forth, and it caused the stock market to get uh, pretty upset. That is for sure. We've had some pretty pretty big uh, slides the last few days. Again, at the time we're taping this. So I, I've got these debates because these things for retirees, Jude, are always raging, whether, whether or not the economy or the market or inflation is doing what it's doing now. Then you just add those pieces in and it just adds fuel to the fire of the conversation and the debate. So let's just talk about some of this stuff and see if we can address some of the, the big debates that typically we see for people in that uh, retirement or pre-retirement stage. Okay. Absolutely. I'm excited about uh, it. Let's get Shakespearean here. To pay off the house or not to pay off the house as soon as possible, that is the question. That's the key in there, though, Jude, as soon as possible. Some advisors are like, hey, let's pay this. Or some people just want to get it gone as soon as possible. And that's understandable. But is that the best advice to pay it off as soon as we can or just to get it paid down systematically? You know, this is one of my favorite topics, and it comes up quite often when we're when I'm meeting with clients because in general, when you talk to people, it is a goal to pay off the house. Um, and, you know, I hear people tell me, I don't want to co-own my house with the bank forever. Uh, so I get that as a financial goal. But the math may not always be in the favor of paying off the house. Let's use our, our, our current environment right now. Real estate values are at an all-time high. We may be headed toward a recession, looking at some of the things that are going on. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know for sure. But these real estate prices may be pulling back. And so, if, and at the same time, the market is at a low compared to the last couple of years. So mathematically, it may make more sense to taking additional dollars that you may be putting toward um, reducing the mortgage or paying off the mortgage on a investment that can earn a higher rate of return, uh, like putting money into uh, the stock market or a mutual fund portfolio versus looking at a uh, investment that may be declining soon or may only average a 3% uh, return on investment. Because generally, real estate is, has averaged somewhere around a three or four percent return. Uh, the S and P has averaged somewhere around an eight percent return. So, but the numbers don't matter as much as how the person feels. If you feel that you need that safety blanket of having the house paid off, well, then the numbers may not be important to you. Right. But someone who's more inclined to look at where can I maximize my dollars. 
they may want to consider the numbers and how does the math work out. Well, and I think that becomes the big question, though, Jude. And some people, and the reason I mentioned systematically is like, okay, paying the mortgage payment, you know, maybe doubling up at times, doing you know things you can to pay it down that way, especially if you've got a low interest rate. But I do hear people saying things like, "Well, I'm really close. I only it's only seventy or eighty thousand or something like that to finish paying it off. Maybe I should pull it from an account and just pay it off." And that's where the emotion gets going. But we also, I mean, at least do yourself the favor of running that those numbers with your advisor because taking seventy five or eighty grand out of your four hundred one k might not be the best move for you to do in order to pay off the house for that peace of mind. And then again, it may, but don't just do it without running the numbers. Yeah. One last thing I'll say on the house too is that I often find a big problem with people that have a ton of in their house and it's frozen, but they may not have enough assets to fund their retirement the way they would like to live the lifestyle that they've become accustomed to. That's a topic for another time to talk about those various ways that you may be able to uh, use the equity that you've built up, but most people I find don't. They've got hidden wealth. They've got real estate wealth that they're not using to benefit themselves when they're in retirement. Okay. So that's the first debate. Certainly it's always going to have those conversation pieces. Uh, paying off the house, we always we want to get that off of our heads. Obviously it would feel fantastic. As soon as we can, maybe. Maybe that's in the cards for you. But again, make sure that you're doing math and logic along with emotion and not just you know one or the other. And I think that's going to be the case with a lot of these topics. Uh, number two, Jude, individual bonds are better than bond funds. Oh, this is one that often comes up in conversation because in general, we have been taught that bonds are safe. And so when the stock market is rocky, I should be, the myth is I should be investing in in bonds. Well, we are in a unique environment right now where interest rates are steadily going up. And the effect of interest rates that steadily go up is that they have a reverse uh, reaction to bond prices. So as interest rates go up, the price of a bond goes down. And individuals sometimes say, well, I don't I don't understand that. You know, I I I was told that bonds are safe. Individual bonds may be very, very safe. If you look at a US government bond or a a, a company that has a very high rating, if you hold that bond to uh, maturity, you'll get the money that you put into the bond. If you have to sell that bond before the maturity while interest rates are moving up, then the value that you sell it at would be a whole lot less. Mm-hmm. So are individual bonds better than a bond fund? If the if the purpose of, a, of the purchase is to hold a bond into maturity, then an individual bond may be better. If the purpose is to create diversification, then uh, a bond fund may be the way to go because you can have multiple bonds in the bond fund and may not be able to replicate that by owning individual bonds, depending on how much money you have. Yeah. So yeah. In, in essence, you really have to understand what the goal is and why you're investing in bonds to decide which one is better for you. Yeah, and like anything from a financial debate and financial conversations with advisors, uh, Jude could easily, I mean, basically it depends is a true answer to just about everything because uh, we have these universal things that affect us all, but when we start getting into the nitty gritty, 
you know, you could easily say it depends on every single one of these. And of course, he's given examples as to, you know, pros and cons. And the, a lot of this is in the wording of these statements. So sometimes something like this next one, Jude, maybe adds the, you know, the wording that's, that's not really accurate. So nobody needs life insurance once they've retired. Well, that's kind of a, that's, that's a pretty all-inclusive <laughs> thing. Life insurance, we tend to think we don't need um, life insurance once we retired, but there could be some benefit and some uses for it. Uh, that's absolutely correct. I'll give you some examples. I, I like to talk in examples, give a little bit of the philosophy, but also so examples because I think people can can identify when they hear stories. Um, so for instance, you may be retired and you may be at the point where you feel life insurance is no longer necessary, but there are some situations where it makes a lot of sense. For instance, um, recently had a client who wanted to get long-term care insurance, but unfortunately when they went through medical underwriting, something showed up in their past that would not qualify them for the long-term care insurance. The only other route that we could help this client in having some amount of coverage was a life insurance policy that had a rider for long-term care. So instead of having no coverage for long-term care at all, this life insurance policy was able to provide not only a death benefit of life insurance, but also uh, enable them to use part of that death benefit for long-term care when and if that instance arise. So that's just one example. Yeah, and again, there's the caveat in there is you know that we we tend to we've been conditioned or trained to think that some of these things or these financial debates are the normal way to do it. And it's just not the case for everybody. So just keeping that open mind that there could be options in any of this, depending on uh, you know what it is that you need. So let's do the number four here on our list. Uh, it's better to have a fee-based advisor instead of a commission-based broker. Maybe, what, what if you're younger and really all you need is a few transactions here and there, right? It could be fine for you. But I think, again, for our, our, our audience, Jude, at 50 plus, you know, maybe maybe there's, there's, some, there's some validity to this. What do you think? I love this question. Uh, I started out my career as, as a broker and evolved as a financial planner and a fee-based advisor and a fiduciary. And so I, I, I feel a certain kinship to people that are still a broker, but the industry and, the, and particularly the people we serve, that 50 plus, most of our clients are looking for someone that's going to provide a financial plan and be the quarterback of their, their financial plan. So for them, it's not about just buying a product. Mm-hmm. It's about understanding how all the all the different investment vehicles work together to achieve their goal. But like you said, I think brokers have their place. Sure. If, uh, if a client is just interested in, in buying a certain investment and they know they could get in at, uh, at a certain cost and that's all they want, why pay for that, those additional services if you don't need it? So it's not that brokers are bad and fee-based advisors are good or vice versa. It's what do you need and then finding the right person for that need. If you're needing holistic financial advice, 
a fee-based advisor is probably your best bet. Yeah, and so much has changed too with apps and things that do a lot of this stuff. So sometimes now even that commission-based you know issue is where if you can just go on an app and, and do some of that robo stuff or whatever, and that be might be fine as well. But I think for relationship building and, and it's certainly for you know people that are getting uh, over fifty and really all the nuance that goes into retirement, uh, it may be something worth you know considering that. Considering having that that relationship with an advisor, a regular that you see on the regular, not just a transactional thing. All right, so that's the first four. Uh, not an even number to do, but that's okay. We'll do the, we'll do the next five on the next episode of the podcast here, talking about some important financial debates. You know, where do you fall in those questions? And of course, are you working with a professional to uh, help you find the right answer for you? Because every situation is going to be a little bit different. So, uh, for Jude, I'm Mark. Thanks for hanging out with us. And again, if you got some questions, need some help, and you're not already working with the team at Centrust then check them out online at centrustfs.com. That's centrustfs.com. And you can talk with Jude and his team there at Centrust Financial Strategies. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good stuff. You can find us on all of those under Plan Wise Retire Free or again, just at the website. Jude, thanks for hanging out, my friend. Appreciate your time as always. Hey, I love it. And I want to tell everybody, come back for the next episode. The last four are hot. You're going to want to hear this. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there. So, and we'll have a little fun with that. So we'll see you next time here on Plan Wise Retire Free with Jude Wilson. The preceding program is sponsored by Jude Wilson, who is solely responsible for its content.